0: Welcome to the RSP cast. Joining me this beautiful Tuesday night is Felix Sharp with Campus to Canton. Felix, always a pleasure to get the chance to talk with you. And we're going to have a good time tonight talking about the freshmen that we should be keeping an eye out for down the line and i know it's a bit of a ways off but it's always fun to get like a sneak a peek with these guys
1: oh yeah oh yeah and i never take for granted a moment to talk to you and to talk to your audience about the uh the college game and get to tell them people and players that they should be tracking uh i never take that opportunity for granted especially
0: especially for your audience mr waldman well, listen, our, uh, this is a great audience, and, and we're very appreciative of that. And this is our audience, and hopefully more of our audience will get a chance to check out Campus to Canton because it is the most immersive form of fantasy football today. It's dynasty fantasy football paired with college fantasy. And playing a college matchup and an NFL matchup each week I mean, that means you get Bijan Robinson, CJ Stroud, and Marvin Harrison Jr., who can help you win the college matchup for the week. And then when your college players declare for the NFL draft, they're added to your NFL roster. I mean, what's better than that? It's as simple as that, too. You can just go to campusdecanton.com and get started and play both sides. Play Campus Decanton.
1: I want to just give you one example. So you can also cross-trade in these leagues. So uh, one trade that I did recently is I traded USC quarterback Caleb Williams, uh, Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr., and a first-round draft pick, which is a supplemental first, which means you can take the incoming freshman class. I traded those three players for um, uh, Stephon Diggs, Nick Chubb, and Kyler Murray to, for a team that was that was, you know, in, uh, in a losing record. So now my NFL team is stacked. My college team is still
0: pretty good, but
1: that's but the type of stuff. If your college
0: you team is still pretty good after unloading those three guys and what you got in return, that's pretty, that's pretty darn good college team right there to, to lose those guys. Yeah. Well, look, that's why you're doing this, right? That's why you're here doing this show. So let's, let's hear a little bit about some of this expertise about some of these freshmen and which position do you want to start with and uh, guys that you want to profile? I think
1: I'm going to start with uh, the wide receiver position. And I'm going to generally, um, I will almost five. I mean, the quarterbacks, I'll talk about three, the tight ends. I think there's only one guy really worth talking about. But before I get into the freshmen, um, I, when I growing up playing football, going to football camps, um, and this worked at any camp that I went to, uh, University of Michigan, UCLA. When you get there on the first day of camp, your position coach basically divides everyone into groups, and everybody knows this. It's not said. Everybody knows this. There's an A group, and then there's an everybody else group. Coach Dino Babers at, uh, at UCLA when I was there, now the head coach at Syracuse. Eric Campbell, longtime wide receivers coach at Michigan, did the same thing. Um, either they knew you or they athletically profiled you, your, your, your traits. Uh, they would put you in the A group. And so traits are the things that would get you in the A group, into the A group. But just because you didn't start with the A group on day one doesn't mean that they wouldn't move you there. But it's the skills that they saw through the day that would get you to move to, um, uh, to to the A group. So, you know, some of these freshmen, they're here because of their traits, and but we're going to have to see them develop skills over the course of their career at the wide receiver position. You know, learning how to get open with your feet, learning how to get open versus zone versus man, learning how to stack corners, uh, learning how to ball track. Those are skills, you know, your speed, your burst, your jump. Those are kind of traits more or less. Some things are a combination of both. So, um, you know, as I'm talking about these guys today, I just want to kind of keep that in in mind. These are all kids who are in the A group, at least because of their traits, but some of them have already developed some skills. And so hopefully I can talk about both
0: both points here. And I think that's great perspective to have. I mean, and that's, and it's a fantastic one. And, and I think what's great about it is that we do have, I think most people are going to inherently understand this about having freshmen just from watching college football enough to know that, you know, we, when we hear the Mel Kuypers and the Todd, um, I can't remember Todd's last name, but of, uh, of the world who, who will. Yeah. McShay. McShay. Thank you. The McShays and the, you know, and the Kuypers of the world say, this guy's going to be a top draft pick in April. And then we're talking about players that, most of the public don't even know about suddenly emerging and and being in their place and and having good NFL careers on top of that. That's, you know, that's always a common story, but it's an important perspective to have. So anyway, they ain't here to listen to me. What's going on with these receivers
1: (laughs) wide receiver. All right. We'll start with wide receiver. Uh, Number one is Evan Stewart, freshman wide receiver at Texas. Now, um, he is already the leading receiver on the team. He's being schemed as the primary read uh, on on specific plays, specifically like in-breaking routes, RPOs that pair the read option with the in-breaking route. You see him as the primary on that. That's really good to see. Um, You see him taking some... Hits and getting some contact, and he's been generally extending some, his hands. Matt, I sent you a, a video just showing, you know, kind of where he's at with that because I know hand positioning is really, is really big for uh, the RSP folks. So um, he'll probably be a little bit, a little bit better, uh, but we do see him extend over the middle. And I think that that's really good to see. We've also, I mean, his best game was against Alabama. Alabama has all the elite athletes, but you saw him uh, get on top of wide receivers. You saw him go fight for the ball and stack. Talk about skills. We saw him do that versus Alabama. Uh, get a release, stack a uh, stack a corner cornerback late in the game. The ball's underthrown. Go up and get it. Uh, body control, ball tracking. I think that those are um, uh, good uh, uh, skills and that that he has and that he's going to continue develop. Again, already the leading wide receiver at Texas A&M which is you know Texas Texas A&M are playing some real football down there in the SEC and and here this kid is right out of high school and playing uh, at a very high at a very high level to him. Um so that's number 1 uh t- t- Evan Stewart Texas A&M. Number 2 Luther Byrd. Now let me give you a little bit of background about Luther Byrd. His father was Luther Burden. He's Luther Burden III, Luther Burden at Missouri, wide receiver. Uh, His father, father was Luther Burden Jr. He averaged 16 points a game for St. Louis University back in his heyday. And his grandfather. Now, this is not absolutely confirmed. It seems like there's some weird family dynamics there, but it seems like his grandfather is Luther Ticky Burden, who was a former ABA and NBA basketball player. Played for the men's national team in 1974 and averaged 20 points a game for that men's national team. Wow! That is a record that was only recently uh, broken by Kevin Durant. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. So he's got some athletic lineage, athletic lineage. Uh, This is – he's probably the most athletic uh, wide receiver that we're going to talk about today. 5'11", 215, and he plays like a running back. He's used very much how uh, LaVisca Chenault was used at Colorado. Got a lot of passes behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, They've used him in Wildcat in the red zone, very similarly to – to uh LaVisca Chenault. Um which is important. Like you're a freshman getting snaps at quarterback in the SEC. That's a that's a big deal not to be taken lightly. Yeah. Um, but, but he is a he is a lot to handle for for uh, cornerbacks. Uh, at 5'11, 215, he plays very much like a running back.
0: You can you can see that in the tapes that you showed me because when he there's a, a red zone throw, like kind of a throw out to him in the flat, and he makes multiple people miss and runs through contact. And at each step of the time that he made someone miss, his hips and his pads remain north-south the entire time. And you don't see that very often with young guys, to have the discipline to maintain a downhill approach, even as you're moving laterally away From people, he looked like a refined runner. That was that was really impressive, actually.
1: Yeah, we want to see him, you know, deployed a little bit more downfield eventually. But he's a freshman. Um, But the coaches have, I mean, he's getting schemed into the offense with, you know, the primary read on in the flat on these screen routes. And uh, again, like I said, being used as a wildcat quarterback. So that is Luther Burden. Remember uh, that name? I think for most people, have him as the number one wide receiver in the class. Um, If there was one wide receiver that I think could, a freshman who could probably play in the NFL right now, it would probably be Antonio Williams Clemson uh, at Clemson, a slot wide receiver who is very deceptive with his pace. Um, And uh, uh, what I mean by that is, is it's something that I didn't learn growing up, but you'll see these wide receivers nowadays, either, Almost kind of walk off of the line of scrimmage on the ball with their release, and then explode to the out, explode to the in. He's got some of that creativity in his route running. Slot wide receiver does short area stuff, but also um, uh, good on double moves. But he really can cause defensive backs to false step or be s- slow to the spot that he he wants to uh, wants to get to. Causes defensive backs to lean. Number zero there at Clemson. Antonio Antonio Williams, and I think that he is their leading receiver too. Again, as a as an eight year old, oh, also punt returner. excellent, excellent punt returner for Clemson. Uh, Matthew Golden at Houston. If I remember correctly, he's the highest rated recruit to ever commit to Houston. Could have gone anywhere in the country, but decided to go to uh, go to
0: Houstoners. Huh?
1: Yeah. There's okay. oh yeah, oh yeah. There is something about wide receivers who make everything look the same when they're coming off the line of scrimmage. Uh, Usually I notice it in the head movement or the lack of head movement. And some wide receivers will stare at the spot that they're going to break at, and it gives the defensive backs clues as to the fact they're about to break. Well, Matthew Golden, to me, looks – uh it makes everything look the same. He's got his head straight. He's not looking at his breaking point. Uh, very sudden kind of explosive guy. Uh and so it doesn't dip his head for running a go route. You'll see wide receivers dip their head and lean forward for that more more acceleration. Um he he doesn't he doesn't really do that kind of stuff to give you because when you dip your head as a as a defensive back that tells me, "All right, I got to get on my horse now." Um and so I think that he is really creative with, with his route running in the fact that he does, not, he does not give clues. He does not give, not give yeah. clues. He doesn't tip, tip his route, so to speak. Uh, but excellent acceleration. I don't know how great his top, top end speed is, but his burst and acceleration I, I think are, are uh, ex- exceptional. Again, starting for – he's injured right now, but starting again for, for Houston. And he started from day one. Matthew Golden
0: started coming out. Wow, yeah, so, mm-hmm. that's a, mm-hmm. that's a sign of a of a heck of a route runner for that age, and especially from what you're talking about, because I mean there's so many tells that guys have who are good prospects coming out. I mean, you think about Di- yeah. Diami Brown is a good example of a guy who would tip off any type of route breaking back to the quarterback based on how he would rock off his back foot only on releases where he would break back to the quarterback, you could tell, you know, it was like he had certain, he had certain tells for certain routes. And I kept thinking, you know, you'd watch a guy like that and go, well, he's going to play in the NFL. He may not be a starter. Maybe he will. Mm -hmm. Depends on Mm -hmm. how he develops. But you know, this is a guy who caught a touchdown this year in the, in on Sundays. (laughs) And he has a tell that you could write in a scouting report and go, well, a veteran cornerback, if he's playing off coverage, should watch for his feet when they do this because that might give you a tell that he's going to run a com- a curl and you can jump that um, or a stop yeah. route. You know, so yeah. so the fact that Golden doesn't it doesn't have any of those is just a fantastic setup. And I mean, they always talk about Jerry Rice that way. Is it like every route looked the same? Yeah. You know, it's
1: – so Eric – you might remember Eric Fowler, um, Matt, from uh, – he played for the Pittsburgh Steelers for a little bit and then played for the Detroit Lions. He went to Grand Valley. And he had excellent control of his eyes and head movements and head movement or lack of head movement and not tipping off uh, uh, routes. And so as a defensive back, he had to learn to look at uh, other things. Um, because, again, I mean, it's the – you can see with their eyes uh, wide receivers looking – down like they will be looking at that spot. All right. I got 10 yards into the post. I'm looking at that spot. And uh I think Matthew Golden has some control over over that area. Um Barry and Brown at Kentucky, wide receiver Kentucky. If I am in Lexington, if I am a UK fan, I think that you should really be excited about this player. Um Explosive, out of when I say explosive, I mean you hold your breath if he catches the ball in a slant and stride. If you're a defensive coordinator, if you're a cornerback, if he catches the ball in stride because he has these long galloping strides and gets to top speed really, really quickly. And if he catches that ball in stride, you're not going to be able to catch him. I bet you he's a four-three guy. He defeats angles. He's averaging 43 yards per kick return this year. He already has one kick return. Wow um uh back for a touchdown, he should have had a second and he tripped on his own man when he was in the in the open space he's he 's probably going to be an all american as a kick returner he is the wow. best kick returner in the country so um l- built thin and early but explosive explosive uh going straight forward and again um i 'm actually trying to get, acquire him in some trades right now, but I think you know the C two C and Debbie community is probably caught on, but he's he's an exciting player to watch. If you're watching football on Saturdays and you need a reason to watch Kentucky, watch uh watch for Barry and Brown. Watch him on kick returns. Watch him catch
0: these slants and see if he see if he breaks one. When so he's that. When he's in the open field I have a question for you about that is is he a stop start mover or is he more of a bend his way around and just maximize the angles with his speed Bend his way
1: around and maximize. He's not doing a whole lot of stopping and starting. Good. He's, he's going to bend his way around and try to not decelerate at all and get around the corner uh and find creases. I mean almost like a kick returner. Yeah. He's when even when he's, you know, Kick returners not really stopping a lot. They're just running to try to find that lane, and that and he does that when he catches the ball. Uh, when he catches the ball on offense, so Barry and Brown, Kentucky, Matthew Golden, Houston, Antonio Williams, Clemson, and Luther Burden, grandson of Ticky Burden, that we can't really confirm, but we believe that that's the case. Um, Allegedly, uh, at Missouri. <laughs> Allegedly, allegedly. Well, I, I have a friend that 24-7 I was like, why Why can't I confirm this? This should be easy to confirm. And he was like, yeah, we think so, but it's not. We don't really know. Um, and then Evan Stewart at Texas A&M. So that is the wide receiver position. Nice. Go to quarterback here. Yeah. Let's go to quarterback because I want to talk about Drew Aller at Penn State. <laughs> uh coming into his freshman season i saw these three throws usually with high school quarterbacks every single high school quarterback you watch is making some sort of deep go route throw and they're open and you kind of it doesn't really tell you a lot But with drew Aller at penn state big athletes like six foot five something like that whatever but the thing that was unique about him watching his tape is he made anticipatory throws throws that um He's throwing in the middle of the field. There's a linebacker, a corner, a safety all around the ball. The wide receiver has not yet looked for the ball, and the ball's already out of his hand. You just don't see those type of throws uh, at the high school level. Usually, I mean, you know, a lot of throws are safe. There are out routes where you don't have any defender and boundary three slants. You don't see high school players throwing into the middle of the field. A wide receiver is not looking at the ball, and, you know, he's just, on throwing into face. You see that with Drew Aller. Um I uh I sent three of these throws to your friend, our friend Mark Schofield. I was like, Mark, I this this is it just me or are these throws impressive? And he was like, Yeah, you should be you should be enthused about this guy. So that's Drew Aller at Penn State. Um he is playing he has played this season, but he's still backing up uh, Sean Clifford there at Penn State. You can see Patrick Mahomes's influence on young quarterbacks just like you can see uh, Steph Curry's influence on basketball with people you know jacking up threes from 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 40 feet. Um, because with all of these guys, eh, maybe not Devin Brown, but definitely with drew Aller, you see the ba- the scrambling, the baseball throws, the sidearm. It's coming more and more normal. Where I feel like you didn't see it as much before. But now a lot of them try to do it. A lot of them try to uh, practice it. And Drew Aller's no exception. Good improviser. And he can throw off-platform in all the ways that, you know, you see Zach Wilson or at least him do it in, in college. Drew Aller can do those things too. So um, Penn State has got a good one. And we're going to hear Penn State again because they got a very good freshman running back there, too. Devin Brown at Ohio State. Uh, he might have the strongest arm in the class. Um, there is a play on his tape where he's on the right hash, and he throws like a 20 or 25 yard out. That's not a big deal, except for the ball hit the wide receiver's hands on the sideline. That is a, like, it's not like he didn't hit, he hit him on the sideline, you know, with all the velocity and everything uh, still on the ball. He went to Corner Canyon, you uh, know, Corner Canyon High School, excuse me, in Utah. It's the same school that Jackson Dart at Old Miss, the starting quarterback at Old Miss, where he went to school. It's also the, the, the high school of one Zach Wilson. Um, so, not as mobile or as the improviser that Drew Aller is or Ty Simpson, who we're gonna talk about. But he's in a he's not scared. There was one throw. I made a whole video on one throw from the spring game. Wasn't even caught. Wasn't even caught. It was a uh it was a seam route along the right hash against cover three. And so you've got in cover three, your cornerback usually plays the middle of what receiver one and two, and they're sinking to the middle, and you're uh, your your safety, who's covering the middle third, is coming over, and you might have a, a seam defender too. So they're all converging into this space. And damn it, Devin Brown doesn't care. He's throwing it ball, should have been caught uh, in the spring game. He hit the point of the pencil. Um, so he's just
0: not. Right? He just like, if the coverage yes. is. Yeah, he yes. just hit the point of that pencil. Yes. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So um, I like the fact that he's
0: not afraid to
1: to throw it in there. Ty Simpson, Alabama. Of course, Alabama has a f- five-star quarterback, more of a backyard uh, scrambler-type player, uh, a little more unorthodox. will turn his back to the defense when he's scrambling and make plays and throw them downfield. I-, I think that it's going to be interesting to see uh, – Alabama has been a very prolific passing offense under uh, Tua Tunga Villaloa and then Mac Jones and then Bryce Young. The guys that they have in the stable now at Alabama are not the passers that those three were. You got Jalen Milrow, you have Ty Simpson. They're more guys who can run the ball. They're going to use their athleticism. And so I'm interested to see what that offense looks like moving forward. So and then there's I don't have strong feelings about Cade Klubnik at Clemson and Connor Wegman at Texas A&M, but both of those guys are five-star guys that I kind of have to throw in there. But again, no strong feelings. That's the that is the quarterback class to pay attention to. Drew none of the none of those guys are actually playing except for Drew Aller is getting you know a drive here a drive there later in the season he might be um, named the starter, uh, but Sean Clifford is he's a the sixth year senior who's a leader not at the at the Penn State program, but he's got his own agency now for um uh for NIL athletes. So he's a really a leader throughout the country. It's gonna be hard, hard to take his five, but Drew Oliver, see if he gets more and more playing time as the season progresses. So so
0: I've got to call an audible here and ask and if we have to check back to the original the original play after that, recheck it, that's fine by me. But What do you know? What can you tell me about Arch Manning? Um, should we wait on that? Arch Manning.
1: We we, no no. So I know this is terrible radio. Me just pausing. That's okay. Um, It's real. Arch Manning is not the best quarterback in his in his class, and I think that many people assume that he is because. Because he he has the Arch Manning name, right? But Isidore Newman is not does not play at the highest level of competition, Um, and there are guys Malachi Nelson who's headed to USC, Dante Moore from Detroit King, who spurned Jim Harbaugh and is going to Oregon. You know he's
0: with Dan Lanning, an elite
1: high school, an
0: elite high school
1: who's who's doing excellent with Bo Nix. Uh, at the helm, which yeah. is totally unexpected. Um, so, you know, I think people assume that. So, there's a problem with his level of competition. I think we would know more about him if he was playing in Texas or you know, Texas, for example. But he's yeah. there in, in Louisiana. Um, but that's a very good quarterback class. Very an excellent, excellent freshman uh, freshman class.
0: So it's so the potential's there, but the but the buzz is. The buzz is to be expected because he's a Manning, he's a part of the Manning line, and that that may or may not translate, but it's not automatic with him. There's questions, right? Okay,
1: exactly. Quint Ewers, who is there at Texas now, is was a better quarterback prospect than Arch Manning was, and you know, again, Dante Moore, uh, Malachi Nelson, right, right there, right there with him, and I didn't even mention Nico Iamaleava who uh is going to Tennessee and if you've watched Tennessee you know that they emphasize the deep vertical passing game they line their wide receivers way out next to the sideline so that your safeties have to cover space and that's how they beat Alabama um Nico Iamalieva looks like Hendon Hooker I mean his best attribute is throwing the throwing the deep ball so uh it's a it's a uh it's a quarterback class that people believe will rival that Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence class. Very, very deep. Nice. Well, but, but Arch Manning is probably the third or fourth guy in that class.
0: Well, thank you for entertaining that for me. Cause it's a, cause I know no, that, no but I just figured that's a, that was one I've heard people talk about him a fair bit. And it just seems like whenever I read some piece of mass media that, that has to do with a, a high school player it always they, the major media piece. If I'm in a waiting room somewhere, seems to to mention Arch Manning as opposed to anybody else, and and I wondered if that was in part due to the Manning name as much as it was due to that he's done well in high school. But you know, are there other names we have, that we really want to consider too?
1: And I'm relying on the analysis from our uh, 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 team that that covers the front. That's all. They don't even watch the college games they just cover the freshman the incoming freshman class david nipple matt powell and and matt bruning i think that they're going to have a show on this thursday so if you're looking at this if you're listening into this before thursday leave on our in the evening on our youtube page they are going to be doing a show to preview that freshman class big wide receiver guy on twitter and solving football on twitter if you're if you're want if you want more freshman specifically
0: freshman coverage i would follow those two nice Nice. So where do you want to go from here? Tight end? Well, we only got,
1: there's only one tight end to talk about. Okay. At least in my opinion, that's, uh, that's Oscar Delp at Georgia. Georgia has between Brock Bowers, Eric Gilbert, who's not playing this year, Dwayne Washington or Darnell Washington, this huge, humongous, ginormous athlete at tight end. And then Oscar Delp, it's the best tight end room in the country. Uh, Oscar Delp is the best athlete and has a good frame. Um, 6'5, 225 pounds, ran a 4.66 uh, coming into uh, uh, college, 4-3 shuttle time. Uh, a, f- a fluid athlete, but you would expect that of a, you know, probably in, in high school, he was 215, 220 pounds. Uh, you would expect that, but um, not, you know, not carrying a lot of weight. You see him lining up in the slot and in line. You see him running what? I think Lincoln Riley calls burst routes where they take two or three steps towards the slant stop and then jet across the field he was they had him doing that kind of stuff uh from the tight end from the slot position so the only real the question about and he's already got five catches for sixty one yards on the season um and one touchdown and the same way it's difficult to adjust to the n f l going from college to the nfl it's it's also difficult um doing that from high school to college. So you don't oftentimes see these guys producing, you know, big time stats at the at the college level, but Oscar Delp is doing is doing fine, just fine for a freshman, especially considering the guys that he has in, in front of him. He's getting on the field. So that's that's noteworthy about about Delp. He's just got to get to I mean he's got the height. 225 pounds. He's got to get to 245, 250 He's got 2 years, 2 additional years to put on that
0: weight. Yeah, and that's I th- I can understand why you only have one guy because growth spurts probably determine a lot about these players. It's kind of like why you look at a Aaron Rodgers or a Josh Allen and nobody talks about them is cuz they no one considered them to be college quarterbacks in size when they came out of high school and then they had massive growth spurts that allowed them to get another opportunity or a later opportunity. Um, in the college game, to to even get a shot at the NFL, so I could only imagine with tight end, it's got to be that way massively. So,
1: I mean, the second guy on the list would be Jalil Skinner from the University of Miami. He's the same height, but he's 210 pounds. I'm like, I don't even know if I can consider you to be a tight end at 210 pounds. He's built very much like a basketball player. Yeah. So, you know, that's why there's really only one guy to to talk about. Oscar Delp's the best athlete. He's, you know, he's got the frame to add yeah. the 15
0: pounds or so that he'll need, needs more than that. And that but, makes, uh, that makes sense because you think about Adam Shaheen and his story and about how where he was at when he came as a freshman, he was – didn't he gain something like fifty, sixty pounds? 50 I don't remember like his,
1: I remember his rise, but I don't remember his specific his specific story as far as his, uh, you know, his trajectory and weight gain. And he,
0: he was like, he yeah, he was nothing remotely like a tight end. And then uh, the the joke was is I think he ate a lot of like sub sandwiches or something and hung out in the weight room and like the 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 whole you know media angle of it was that he gained something like fifty or sixty pounds. And that 's when he started to really get his opportunity and and then took off from there, but you don 't know what you have until you 're the size to actually show what to get on the field to show what you can do, so that makes sense right so what about the running backs here?
1: that leaves the running back position, and you know we think that this running back position uh, this running back class could potentially be very very strong um, nicholas singleton at I feel like i 've said his name on this show before, yeah. but nicholas singleton at at Penn State. Uh, and the thing about all of these guys, they have the requisite size already coming into, into college. Nicholas Singleton is six foot 219 pounds already. We had him clocked uh, uh, in his high school tape. I mentioned David and, and Matt. They're, they're the ones who get our mile per hour times. They had him clocked at 22 miles per hour. He was the fastest freshman in this class. That 22 mile per hour time would put him right up there with um, Raheem Mostert, Jonathan Taylor, as far as the fastest times in the NFL last season in 2020 uh 2021 uh are a little bit more than 20, you know Taylor they're like maybe 22.3 22 point but you know Nick Singleton is right there he is a a violent thrashing style of of runner kind of runs with his his hair on fire and um the, i think the thing that that would get you excited about him is he comes in as the number one running back in the class by consensus but that Penn State uh, uh, athletic conditioning program between uh Dwight Galt, who has since retired, and Chuck Losey, who has taken over for him. They have a tremendous, tremendous track record for developing athletes. People know about uh Troy Apke and Saquon Barkley and Mike Gasecki, but Dwight Galt's track record goes back to Sean Merriman, Sean wow. Merriman, and Jadavian Clowney and Darius Hayward Bay when uh when he was at Maryland. Wow. So, um we, wow. You know, they've got some athletic clay to mold there in in Nick Singleton. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins at Old Miss. Um, another guy who has the requisite size, 5'10", 210 pounds. He's actually the leading rusher amongst freshmen in the country. He has one two 500-yard games already on the season, averaging 5.7 uh, yards per attempt. Uh, shout out to Matt Bruning who said, "Hey, we need to, we we need to pay very close attention to this guy." Uh, was only a three-star prospect coming out of high school. Five-star prospects are the guys that they're projecting for first-round draft capital. Four-star prospects, especially round draft capital, and then there's a bucket of players after that that are just like these are good football players, but we don't know if they're. Um, you know,
0: going to turn out the that way. Players. Yeah,
1: yeah, and Quinchon Judkins was on that list for 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 twenty four 7 as far as their ranking, but you know, to our our team, they pulled this guy. So I have this guy rostered in a lot of places, and I'm starting him. Um, very decisive once he hits the hole. I was watching. I'm like, you know, Mister Waldman is going to want to know if he knows how to run gap versus zone, and uh, not. Definitely more comfortable following pullers on gap plays uh, as opposed to pressing the line of scrimmage and finding cutback lanes on on zones. But, you know, he's there at Old Miss. Uh, Zach Evans, who's going to most likely enter this 2023 draft, draft club. Oh, Mr. Waldman has two thumbs up on Zach, on Zach Evans. He's been injured, though, recently, and so Quinshawn Judkins uh, has been taking the lead role. Actually, both of them have been productive throughout this season. Uh, he is number – two for me just an exciting player and he can also catch the ball I don't have his receptions my statistics here in front of me but he, he he's catching the ball out of the backfield for Lane Kippen at number three is Branson Robinson there at Georgia now Branson Robinson is um there's the x-men who just runs through walls and you can't <laughs> stop his momentum yes I don't know what that I forgot what that x-men's name is but that is the comp for, Br- for Branson Robinson. Probably <laughs> well, more fluid than that X Men, but man, he's you know probably two hundred and thirty pounds. Um, you know, you see pictures of Branson Robinson in high school. He's got these huge biceps and just looks like a football player. Uh, the question for him, anytime you got those these guys who are built like you know. Brandon Jacobs or, or, um, uh, 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 Derrick Henry body types. You got to wonder if they can catch the ball. We don't really know that yet. Branson Robinson's not getting a ton of play time, uh, just yet behind, uh, uh, uh McIntosh. Kenny McIntosh yeah. And, and Kendall Milton, who's, who's been injured in and out. And, um, Dejon Edwards there at Georgia. But he's, his time is, I mean, Branson Robinson's time is coming. Yeah. Um, all right, two more here. Two more. We're almost there. Uh, I think my favorite player in the class is Jamarian Miller. Really? Because he is a scat back, 5'10", 195 pounds. But damn it, he thinks that he's a power back. He's going to try <laughs> to run through uh, run through defenders at times. That's not necessarily his game. He's not consistent with it. He's got a 10-7, 100-yard dash. Uh, he um, – uh, but he, you know, his game is the quick lateral steps, acceleration. He does, He will stiff arm. He'll be. He'll be physical with his stiff arm. And again, he will try to lower his shoulder. But he's he's not consistent enough or show enough power to actually break through tackles uh, with with his power with lowering his shoulder. But the I think the I love his versatility. He had seventy three career receptions in high school. That's a lot. But he was used like on the outside and they would throw him the ball deep and he would go up with his hands and make contested catches. Uh so Jamarion Miller there at Alabama, he's you know, he's not the 215, 220 pound back that you know you generally like to see. But I think that he's a well-rounded player and you know as an offensive coordinator, you don't want to show tendency. So if I have a guy like Branson Robinson in the backfield, I know that he ain't gonna line up at wide receiver and we're gonna throw a go route to him. Right. That's not the same with Jamari and Miller. Uh, it's not the same with Jamari and Miller. You can you can be versatile with him. You can if you don't want to show tendencies. That's the type of player that you want to have on the field. So uh, that is Jamari, and he's getting playing time. You know, there's got a backfield there at a- Alabama, but he's getting some playing time. And uh, number five, last last player here is Cartavius Norton at. Um, uh, Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State obviously produced Bree Hall, cartes Norton really similarly. He's six foot, two hundred and fifteen pounds. Um, it, uh, uh, played with another player in and I think is in Georgia. I can't remember. Is uh, will we'll, I'll, t- we'll, I'll I'll ask you about the, about the show. But anyway, he played with a quarterback who's now at UCF, who I really love, Thomas Castellanos. Um, but a guy who's who has a motor at the running back position doesn't let his legs stop turning. He can play to his size. Uh, that's two hundred fifteen pound, uh, two hundred fifty, and he has some speed to get around the edge. He has been injured. He was projected by Field Steele to be the starter coming into the season. And he was starting that first game and pulled up on his hamstring. Mm -hmm. These freshmen, they got to learn how to take care of their legs and hydrate and all that stuff. And then he missed like the next three or four games. He's back in rotation now. But if you're watching Iowa State, Cartavius Norton, big, thick running back that I think we are going to see a high ceiling from in the future.
0: Fantastic. Great job. Listen, I mean, it, those are those are some great names and and some and some interesting games to get a chance to to learn about and and I you know what you talked about the running back class in um, particular about you know what these guys can do and what they're known for. I mean, we're we're looking at an NFL right now where scoring is down the lowest that it's been since 2011. Expected points for um, passing is as low as it's been since 2011 um, maybe even lower um, and it's at a that's at a the gap between expected points for passing and running are very close together and no and um in no other year since around 2011 so you're looking at kind of a back to the future look with all these two high defensive shells and these Nickel and dime defenses well, what are you going to do you're gonna run you're gonna run power you're gonna run counter you're gonna you're gonna run what what coaches like to call god's play um you, you know at these uh at these lighter players and you're gonna pound the ball, but the thing is too is that you don't need light you don't need big bruisers at running back to run those plays oftentimes you can get away with I call them the chris Johnson prototype which is the the super fast guys who get momentum generated power and as long as they run tough between the tackles and run efficiently and compactly so they don't get too hurt um go ahead Uh, is that why you did two thumbs up for
1: zach evans
0: i just love zach evans i just love zach evans i think zach evans i mean
1: i feel like we're getting a a peek at the rsp now well listen
0: zach evans to me um Zach Evans, to me, is one of the two best running backs in this class. And he might not be the second best running back in this class when healthy. Um, if Just from refined skill standpoint, I think, he's a, I think he's more refined than B. John Robinson. I, I, it doesn't mean that Bijan Robinson is bad because of that. It just might be another Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Marshawn Lynch, Adrian that. Peterson yeah. kind of thing where you look at one and yeah. go, everyone's going to love the athlete. Yes, but this yes. dude might have just as long of a career and may even be as compelling at certain points of his career. And I think... And, you know, we, yeah. talk, I want to bring this up because
1: we talked about this privately, you and I, this weekend watching yeah. games. I, the thing that you see so well that is hard for her to see is that every people see the jump cuts and spin moves, and they get enamored by that. but what you pay attention to what you 've taught me to pay attention to is what happens at the line of scrimmage, but that stuff happens so fast, and the decisions are made there so quickly that if you blink it's they 're already to the second level but you've i've definitely learned to to pay more attention to to what they're doing at the line of scrimmage, and giving more appreciation to
0: that and and this is the thing that like I've had these conversations with scouts, and I know that like I will always be seen by some people in who just listen in the media as someone who nitpicks with a very fine toothed comb, and the explanation will be it happens so fast that it can't be anything more but instinctive but but i i I will believe this to my dying day is that the more you train yourself to watch the details and pick out details the faster your eyes get at seeing them and it's just like any performance craft people may not be training specifically like they may not have a training program for some of the things that that you should be looking for criteria wise But they've trained themselves to do them anyway from watching other backs do it and picking those things up and adding it into their repertoire. And then sometimes developing exercises to actually do it and refine it. But coaches and scouts oftentimes don't come from a running back background, didn't play the position, or they played it but didn't understand how to teach it, Um, or they read it in books and they'd have, and and, you know, the guys who are like, a guy who I think is the best running back coach probably on the planet right now is Stump Mitchell, who who is the former Arizona Cardinals running back who I think if I'm may I may have my eras kind of um mixed up here, but I believe someone you know very well probably blocked for him at one time or another. Um, you know, and Stump could play. He play, he played behind a running back that by the name of Otis Anderson. Who was a fantastic running back. Uh, a f- f- unbelievable player. But Stump knows how to teach that position. And there's a lot of details. That you notice with players. That I think. That while they happen at a high speed. It is valuable. As if you're evaluating the game. Or coaching the game. The more you can start. To break those things down. You don't have to worry about whether. They actually were taught it or not. You want to learn whether they know it or not and whether they and and you can explain what they do and if you can do that you can begin to identify what works and what doesn't but anyway that's my that's my little rant with because I know that like they're only getting to processing they're only getting to like processing speed for quarterbacks now and that's something that like a guy like dub maddox a coach up at Jenkson out in um oklahoma has been writing about for years and they're just finally starting to test in the NFL for processing speed with quarterbacks, which matters more than whether you can draw it up on a whiteboard. You know, you don't you don't need a guy who can be a coach on the field. I mean, I just look at it this way. Brett Favre may not be the end-all, to be-all of quarterbacks, and he certainly is not the end-all, be-all of human beings right now for some of the things that he's done. Um, but when you think about someone who... Couldn't draw up a nickel defense for you because he didn't know what a nickel defense was till he asked Ty Detmer in the middle of his his initial years as a starter for the <laughs> Green Bay Packers after he was a carnival sideshow for Jerry Glanville throwing balls into the upper deck as as his only action he was ever going to have in Atlanta, and asked that question and then went on his way to having three MVPs, where Alex Smith is the Alex Smith and and Ryan Fitzpatrick like defined the wonderlick test they probably blew if there was a curve for the wonderlick test they probably blew it um you know with their high scores but couldn't get out of their own way because they couldn't process fast enough that should tell you all you need to know about what's wrong with evaluating quarterbacks right now and why you know and why the game's changing anyway but with the game changing the way it is with these high too high safeties we're getting to the point now that you don't have to be unbelievably nuanced as a running back anymore with the zone plays because if they're going back to gap until quarterbacks can be more patient until they can attack downfield well one of the best cures to running against too high is just shoving it down their throat with a with pullers and lead running backs and you don't need to be frank gore in terms of conceptual skills or nick chubb in terms of conceptual skills to run those you just you could be Tevin Coleman, who is an excellent athlete, but you know, more of a don't think meat, give it the gas, hit that hole hard, and let's see what we can get, you know? And Elijah Mitchell to me is that kind of a player, you know. And again, when I say these things, I'm not saying the guy's smart or dumb. I'm just saying that they some guys can see more and and think more. It's more of a it's a form of intelligence that people don't define. Like I'm sure I'm probably athletically dumb in certain ways where I may be book smart in others, or I may be life smart in some ways and book dumb in others. And I think that we often think of people as smart and dumb in a very simplistic way. I would just say that he's probably not, they're not, some, some running backs are not as um, conceptually advanced in their intelligence with it because it's not an area that's been exercised you know, and certain things are encouraged and it's not, it's not genetics. It's not, you know, anything other than, it may be, but I think probably more because we don't know what genetics are one way or the other with a lot of things, but it's, you know, nurture, it's a form of nurture versus nature and there's probably some combination of both you know with what we got going on with how players are made up and how that whether they can see things fast or they don't just like how we have we see that with certain performers I'm sure Meryl Streep is probably like there's something about her brain that is unbelievably smart in some areas but I'm sure there's some things that it may not be tying her shoes but she might not be able to tie her shoes You know, in other areas of life, you know, and she's probably what in her 70s at this point. So, you know, that's the way it goes. But uh, yeah, that, you know, before we go on, I mean, do you want anything you want to comment with that? If not, do you want to go on to our... You want to go on to the thing I know we've been waiting for, which has been kind of. A well, I mean, we were
1: talking about just kind of what intelligence is that? it r- led me to remember a story from Dave Chappelle at the Mark Twain ceremony where he was, oh, that award. Yeah. he was talking about how he was kind of built for comedy because he had no problem memorizing things just like no, no problem at all. Uh, and so that was his God given gift to kind of help, help him excel
0: uh, in that particular area. That's it. That's yeah. it. No, but it's, but it's, it makes total sense. And I think that with scouting, that's just an, it's just important because there are, there are certain skills that we just don't know how to measure, but the best way to start to do that is to measure the smallest behaviors and the details. Cause the more you do that, the, I think the more you can notice what you, what matters, even if you can't teach it, Yet, or we can't catch up to how to to systematically create it. We can rec- learn to recognize it because there are things to recognize that are un- unsaid. But one thing that that's fun to recognize, and I'll just put it this way, is that um, you know, getting into this game, everybody's always had a you know kind of a gateway of players that got us passionate about the sport. And I thought it would be fun for Felix and I to kind of share who those players are for us, like who did you watch in the college game that got you excited about college ball? Because for me, it was pro first, but then college came probably five to six years later. Um, and it was kind of like seeds planted earlier than that and then developed. So who are some of those guys for you? Well, are you ready to start the new, the next show? Everybody ready for right.
1: another uh, two hours? Right. Uh, no, uh, no, my, I was the same way. It was, it was pro for me first and then college. And, uh, Coming up, you know, my uncle played in the NFL for 13 years. You mentioned Stump. I just looked it up. My uncle did play with Stump. They were drafted back to back years. My uncle was the, Stump Mitchell was drafted in 1981, and um, my uncle was drafted in uh, first round draft pick out of UCLA in 1982. So um, he uh, he they would yeah that, he would have I thought they, for they him.
0: had, but
1: I wasn't. Yeah, sure. he would have he would have blocked for him. Um, but I remember growing up and you know my uncle's my grandmother had a trophy room in her uh house in southfield michigan off nine mile and telegraph in the ravines there on rexford drive if there are any michigan in the if there are any michigan um Uh, fans of yours there in the audience and she had a trophy room there you know from the time I was born in 1987 until uh during my childhood so I saw his jerseys and his trophy his hula bowl jersey his his cardinals jersey his uh his UCLA jersey and there was a he has a she had a newspaper clipping of my uncle knocking over Lawrence Taylor and uh that was that was prominent there in the because they used to be in the same division, St. Louis and and the and the Giants. Um, that's a
0: that's an obituary know. picture right there. Yeah, like yeah, anybody yeah. anybody who's a football fan, if that if if you could have a picture of that, you can you've lived a life right there.
1: Yeah, but well, so my you know I grew up with that around the house. I can remember. I, I kind of vividly remember, I, I don't think I realized what was going on at the time, but all of these guys being at my grandmother's house. And I think that they came when the Cardinals played the lions, uh, that they all came to my grandmother's house for dinner. And my grandmother, Cuba, my uncle is Cuban. My, my family is, uh, my uncle was born in Cuba. My grandfather worked at Guantanamo Bay and then came over here, worked for Ford for a year before he brought my dad and my uncle over and my grandmother. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I grew up with that. My uncle was a three-time pro bowler in 1987 through 1989. And I can remember my grandfather telling me a story about about Lawrence Taylor saying, Mr. Shop, Mr. Shop, what you feed that man? And he didn't say he didn't say man. Um, anyway. Uh, so that was like my introduction to football and just kind of grew up with it. But then in the late 90s, huge, huge Detroit Lions fan. Uh Season tickets there at Pontiac Silverdome was at the game that Barry Sanders went over 2,000 yards and uh Jerry oh come on, I'm gonna forget his name um Reggie, Reggie Brown, Reggie Brown was paralyzed in that game versus oh, the Jets. Yeah. And I remember being in the stands in the in the in the uh stadium was quiet for uh 30, 30 minutes or so um but that was in but anyway Herman Moore Herman Moore was by far I wanted was to that be a Mike Mike Utley was before, but before it, this, that, was, this was – the Lions have had two tragedies. I didn't Mike know about Mike Utley Reggie was Brown. one and, and Reggie Brown was was the other. I didn't know
0: other. about that. I'm sorry about that. Please. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead as well. So, so –
1: um, but Herman Moore was always my favorite player. I used to go to Herman Moore's uh, football camp, Catch 84 football camp there in Detroit. And uh, just a – that's a, a great – um player to be introduced to athletes you know as a young impressionable child you could pick a worse example but he was always just a really good guy uh good good guy coming to the and he was actually there and you know doing all the drills and stuff with the kids um so okay oh and then this happened around the same time because 1998 it was randy moss's rookie year 1997 was the 1997 1988 was the year that Michigan won the national championship. I'm 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 in Detroit, you know, between my dad's house and my mom's house in Kalamazoo, Michigan and in my dad's house in Detroit. Huge Charles Woodson fan. Oh yeah. You know, Charles Woodson wins the Heisman and then that 1998 draft, it's uh Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson and one Randy Moss. Randy Moss. And Rand- I don't think Randy Moss stood when Charles Woodson won the Heisman. He just he was, he was not cool he was not cool with it. they coming out of Marshall and so that 1998 season where he had 17 touchdowns and all the records that Justin Jefferson just broke. Those were, you know, my formative formative years. So, um, my uncle Herman Moore, Charles Woodson, Randy Moss, those are
0: I love them. Those are, my guys. Those are some great yeah. guys, right there, for sure. Well, this is—I'm—I'm going to have some that you were expecting because, you know, obviously I grew up around a bunch of Ohio State people and grew up in Ohio State, but I've got one that you might not expect. Um, but I'll start with, you know, my probably my first gateway was Greg Pruitt, the the former Cleveland Browns running back who played also for the Oakland Raiders, who was an absolute star at Oklahoma, an unbelievable running back who was probably Reggie Bush before Reggie Bush, um, and just, but had multiple knee surgeries and did some things that Barry Sanders, only Barry Sanders could do back in the 70s doing it, but couldn't stay healthy to do it. He didn't have the ball bearings made out of joints that, that, uh, that Barry Sanders had. But, you know, then as the college game started to come into my consciousness, you know, probably, you know, a guy that really kind of solidified that for me was Keith Byers the former um the former um Philadelphia fullback who played with Buddy Ryan and then played with Miami with Marino who could catch the football and he had decent speed. He was a big dude in his 230s, 240s, and he played at Ohio State as their tailback. And he had these little Fred Flintstone stride of his steps, but could like break long runs in Earl Bruce's offense. Power runner Really nifty hands and nifty feet, but never really became a big time back in the NFL. Um, just didn't have the level of explosion. He didn't have the, the short area acceleration, but he had a long career because he could block, he could catch, he could do a little bit of everything well. And then the other guy who wanted to go to Michigan very badly and, and told his dad, I'm going to Michigan. Only to have his dad say, if you go to Michigan, don't ever come back to this house. And that was Chris Spielman. Um, who I just absolutely loved his game. I thought he was an unbel- tremendously, he had a tremendous blend of cerebral and just animalistic, you know, kind of passion for the game. Like someone who just played with, you can tell he played with great intelligence of angles. But he was a warrior in how he played. Obviously, you saw him growing up in Detroit, um, you know, and and he played for Detroit and Buffalo and Cleveland, and and I just always loved his game. I thought, you know, that that was that was one of my players, um, one who Billy Sims, you know, Billy Sims at Oklahoma, another the, you know, another Michigan, you know, Detroit connection. God, I loved his game. He was. I mean, really, I mean, if he hadn't gotten hurt, they might not have had a need for for Barry Sanders, you, you know, at the time that, you know, that, that went. I mean, I think it was a little while after that, his injury that they got Sanders. But but Billy Sims was an incredible running back who ran with great balance, had awesome movement, could catch uh, a fantastic player. And he had them, He he brought them very close to a Super Bowl. I mean, you know, he they ran into the Fort Bill Walsh's Forty ers but they had them on the ropes. They just, um, I believe it was Eric Kippel just couldn't help them, You know, just just couldn't. That must have been a long thing. time ago. Yeah, long time. Yeah, ago. yeah a yeah. long time ago. So there was those, and then the guy who I remember, who you know, there are two more that I'll say that kind of really got me hooked. Anthony Carter out of Michigan. I, you know, even though I. I First got my introduction to college football through Ohio State and later Georgia. Um, You know, watching Anthony Carter play was, he was such a graceful player in terms of his ability to return punts. He was a massive deep threat, could go up and win the ball in contested situations. And he wasn't a big dude, a great player at Michigan. And I remember watching him. And I remember hearing the story that Bill Walsh, when he was looking at wide receivers for his West Coast offense, the first name on his list was not Jerry Rice, it was Anthony Carter. He was looking for a player whose short area quickness was the, the, the calling card, the acceleration short area quickness to after the catch was the bigger calling card than straight line speed. And that's why I think Altoon was in that same class. Why I didn't really want Altoon. Altoon was more of a speedster, but considered the top prospect who the Jets ended up picking. But concussions really derailed his career. But um, they were looking at Carter, and they had to have a couple of names. And they thought, well, if we can't get Carter, who else are we looking at? Well, we like this kid, Rice. um, And then the, the Bengals drafted Carter. And Carter had some good years and then ended up in Minnesota. And I remember him having a monster playoff game and I think it was against the 49ers where he had a monster playoff game against them winning plays in double coverage contested catches just unbelievable always made an impression on me and then a guy who just really I, I don't know I liked fullback running back hybrids I think because uh, Melvin Bratton out of out of the um, University of Miami who was just before in How- Howard Schnellenberger's era, um, just kind of around the Bernie Kosar era, I think the Jim Kelly era. He was, um, or probably the Vinny era. I think Vinny was before Bernie. No, it was it was Bernie before Vinny. But like he was a fullback who could catch. He had some he had some run with the Denver Broncos. He could run for power. wasn't especially speedy, but very smart, good route runner, good pass protector, and he was just a rugged player. And I've always liked. I've liked players who could have moves, but there were there's something about runners that could basically just get the hard yards for you and run through you that and and catch the football that I always liked, which is probably why like I always liked Spencer Ware, uh, you know, the the former Chiefs running back. Because I could see guys yeah. like I could see a little bit of, of Melvin Bratton you know, in him or a Keith Byers or, you know, and guys like that, you kind of, I think there's something to the idea that you have some imprinting on you from what you watch early on. And you have to kind of learn to, one, recognize that, that it has an influence on you and two, to get over it so that you don't, so that you're not overly like attached to certain player types just because that you spot them quickly. So so yeah those are those are mine
1: i so I want to ask you about Greg Pruitt. Um, and I think Pruitt was the one that you mentioned had a little bit of Barry Sanders in his game. Is there anybody since Barry that has the reason I ask you this question is because this topic had been circulating on Twitter, and I'm like there there's so I want to ask you Europe is there anybody since Barry that has reminded you of Barry?
0: No, no.
1: What about LaShawn McCoy?
0: No. 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 I and I love Lashawn McCoy. Like Lashawn McCoy and Lashawn McCoy is um, I'll say this. Lashawn McCoy reminds me more of Greg Pruitt mm. than um, than he reminds me of Barry Sanders and and the different where Greg Pruitt reminds me of Barry Sanders, Lashawn McCoy does not. But the 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 great dips and cuts that McCoy had were were rare i mean they were they were um but there's a there was an element to barry sanders in terms of the 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 combination of that curvy linear movement and that hard cutting and the way that he could make four or five hard cuts and not lose speed doing it and moving laterally doing it and to have the contact balance while it was happening to do it it's like if you took you would have had to take Dalvin Cook LaShawn McCoy and Nick Chubb and meld them together and like and then probably like take a little Christian McCaffrey on top of that and add a dash of that (laughs) in there and you still probably don't get what you got with Barry Sanders he was the he was one of a kind I don't know if I mean we'll probably find it'll happen one day but but it hasn't happened any the, the closest guy to Barry Sanders that I've seen to be honest is Barry Sanders Jr but he just wasn't hmm. um, athletic enough to to play like to play to the level of his dad but he ran a lot like his dad um he just didn't have the he didn't have that special athletic ability that his dad did to to that degree. He was special enough to be good at Stanford, but you know, which is pretty darn impressive. But yeah, he didn't have the old. He didn't have what the. There old we go. Had.
1: Twitter. Matt Waldman has spoken. So stop <laughs> making these bear Sanders comparisons. Enough. Enough.
0: <laughs> we rest our case. There we go. So hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. I think you did. And I think you will. Um, we appreciate that you're tuning in. You can find Felix sharp at sharp review on Twitter. You can find all the great work that campus to Canton are doing, um, over at their website. And of course you can get the rookie scouting portfolio. Um, I will be doing another round of projections this week. Um, for the end of the month for October. Um, that should be out probably sometime Saturday night, early Sunday morning um, as I, you know, get prepared to to work on that a little bit more. Um, you can get ma- my work at mattwaldmanrsp.com and get the RSP pre-draft post-draft guide. I sell past copies for nine ninety-five. The current the current edition for 21.95, and the projections and rankings service that I do, that's updated monthly through December, and then one time in May or June, depending on what I want to do. Probably going to be June because um, I like to wait for the dust to settle after the draft. That's available for 24.95. Um, thanks again for listening, everybody, and uh, you know, rate and review the show. We always appreciate that as well. Take care.